Welcome to the Basin Church Podcast. And as a church, our mission is to bring hope and wholeness through Jesus Christ. And no matter where you are and as you listen today, we hope that you find hope in Jesus and even move one step closer to being made whole. Series called I Said This and You Heard That. And most of us are trying to figure that out, what we've heard. And so we're going through uh, number two here, and it's going to be good. So before I get started, um, just to, to give you something, um, what people have done uh, over the last, I don't know, long time, people have gathered around the television set on Sunday nights, believe it or not. And it started with my parents' generation, and if you talk to my parents, what they would say is that they started as young kids watching the wonderful world of Disney. Now, most people in here have no idea what that is, and that's okay, right? But then what happened after Walt Disney World got, uh, the world, wonderful world of Disney went off the air, there's a guy by the name of Ed Sullivan, okay? And Ed Sullivan, before my time, because he was off in 1971, so Ed Sullivan created this kind of this, um, I don't know, just th- this sense of people needed to watch his show. And so from Sunday night from, I don't know, he ran for quite some time, up to 1971, and then he uh, retired. But everyone gathered around the television set to watch this TV show. Now, the other thing that people have gathered around, I don't know so much anymore, but people have gathered around TV sets on Thursday nights, but on Sunday nights. And Sunday nights, they've tried to do several things, um, you know, if you get premier networks and stuff like that. Um, but they've also done, you know, you have The Simpsons and you have Sunday Night Football. Over the last generation, probably I'd say 10 to 15 years, Sunday Night Football, people have gathered to watch Sunday Night Football, whether you like it or not. And it's, it's really interesting. But Sarah and I didn't gather on Sunday night to watch a show in 2004. I believe it's 2004. And Sarah and I would watch this show on, in uh, Tuesday nights. And it brought us kind of together because we have different genres when it comes to watching television. I watch completely different stuff than she watches. And so we gathered around this one show, and this one show was a couple, and we were not living in Texas at the time, and this couple would begin to flip homes or fix up homes, right, and transform them. And you know what I'm talking about because they're really famous now. It's Chip and Joanna Gaines. And we had no idea who these people were. We're outside of California. We didn't know where Waco was, okay? The only thing we knew Waco for was what it didn't want to be known for. Okay, if you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so we're thinking Waco, that's what Waco's about. And we watched these, this couple take these homes, these small homes, and transform them. And we thought, oh my gosh, we should just move to Waco. This would be amazing if they did our house, right? So we have this whole idea of that they actually put Waco on the map. They, you know what they literally did? They not only transformed homes, they transformed the city of Waco. People show up to drive. My friends, oh yeah, if I come visit you, can we go to Waco? Like, who cares, right? But they have really transformed the city. It was known for something else, and they completely redid it by all just fixing up homes. Now, I say that because when you think of transformation, you think of change. And when we think of change, most of us don't want change unless we obviously are in control of it. And there are times where we believe that this control can happen in what? Relationships. So a lot of us, we believe that we can change the other person and transform them in relationships. That's why when we go into a dating relationship, 
We do certain things hoping that the person will change. Now, that doesn't always end up happening, but that's what we hope, right? And when you get to marriage, you're thinking, okay, well, I hope he changes or she changes. And you do little things to, to get them to change. Now, this happens in any relationship, right? Parents, you know this very well. Not only do you believe it, but you know that if your kid would just listen and obey you, then your relationship would be great, wouldn't it? Right? And children are like, hey, you know what? If my mom or dad would loosen up a little bit and not be so, like, strict, then we'd have a great relationship. So you have this this whole idea that if people changed, our relationship would be great. And it is true that even in marriage, husbands and wives will kind of throw out little things to their spouse in hopes that they change, right? Well, I'm not going to be blunt with them. I'm just going to kind of throw out pebbles and see if they'll change, right? Just little things and direct them on the way. But change is so critical, and here's why, that we even believe that when it gets so bad, what, we can pray and ask the Lord to change people. And I do believe that's true. And I do believe that it is a good thing to pray for people to be changed. I also believe in healthy relationships, and I believe God wants healthy relationships. But here lies the problem. We think that the other person is the issue, when in fact we neglect our own issues. What I mean by that is, is we'll pray for that person to change and change and change. Well, what if the person isn't necessarily supposed to change? It's supposed to be you. See, you want God to answer the prayer, but really he's trying to get a hold of you. And really, sometimes when it comes to to, uh, relationships, it's not that we neglect ourselves and just pray for the other person. You work on yourself and work on the other person. And that's how you get healthy relationships. So how, how do we do that? How do you go about doing that? How do you go about having this transformation in your life? Because if, if I took a, a raise of hands, many of you would raise your hand and say, yes, I want to be able to communicate better. And yes, I want a healthy relationship with anybody, boss, spouse, kid, parent, I do. So how do you do that? Simple. Here's the bottom line for today. Ready? It's this. Transform speech leads to transform relationships. Believe it or not, the words you say will be able to transform your relationships, whether it's a boss, whether it's a wife, a dating relationship, a husband, a child, anybody, it is going to transform your relationship. Now, here's what I mean by that. Now, last week, I'm going to give you a brief overview because some of you were not here last week, and but I want to catch you up so we can go moving forward. Now, um, what happened last week is we, we started this series and said this, that do you know that most of you, on average, speak 16,000 words a day. That's the average. Now, some of you are going, oh, whoa, 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 I'm below average. <laughs> I'm way below average, right? And if you're below average, you speak 7,000 words. Now, others of you be like, 16,000? I passed that before lunch, right? You're way above average, and you go about 20,000 words to 23,000 words, all right? But all that to say is, there's no right or wrong um, how you say or the words you, you, you use or or how many you use. The reality is this, is that no matter how many words you use, the issue is that they aren't always positive. Now let me explain this. Now last week I said this, I said there was a ratio of every one positive word or one negative word, you have to have six positive words to overcome that. Well let me give you another six to one ratio that happens in relationships. For every one positive thing that is said, there are six complaints or criticisms about you in any given relationship. Think about that for a second. So in any relationship, 
they're more likely to say six times negative things towards you instead of positive things. Now, just think about that for a moment, because isn't it true that it's easier to point out someone's weaknesses instead of their strengths? Isn't it easy to point out and say, well, this is what I need you to do and not really compliment them? See, think about the last time you spoke a positive word. Can I tell you this? You probably had to pause and think to say something. But the negative just comes out, doesn't it? It straight comes out. So you have this idea, and and what we've got to understand is, so in any relationship, it's a six-to-one ratio. Now, think with me here. Think through this. So is it any wonder why we have toxic relationships? Is it any wonder why that marriages are on brink, are on the brink? Is it any wonder why that children are the way they are today? Is it any wonder why that all of, all of the culture is toxic because we're so negative and not positive? So here's what, what I want you to do. And, and we're gonna, we've anchored on this one verse and this verse is, and I'm gonna go through a couple other verses today too. Don't worry. But in Ephesians 4.29 is very key. And here's what Paul is trying to do. He's anchored this verse for the Ephesian church. And here's why. Because they are living differently with Christ than without. So meaning their relationship with God, they're living differently than they were in the past. And so he says, I warn you, I don't want you to live like everyone else. I want you to, and he uses the term, I want you to put off the old self the old way, and I want you to walk in the new way, what God has for you. And so he gives four different things, and then at the end, he sums it up with this verse. And I'll just read it to you. It's Ephesians 4.29. It says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, pause there. We will get there, and I will break this down. But let's talk about this helpful. And last week, we talked about that Paul is talking about helpful words. That our words are supposed to build up and not tear down. But what do we tend to do? What is natural for us? Tear down. Six to one ratio. Correct? So what he's warning against, he's warning against two types of words. The one is harmful and unhealthy. So he says, I I want you to be aware and I want you to understand that you can do damage to anybody by what you say. So avoid harmful and unhealthy words, and instead I want you to build them up, encourage them, and benefit them. So that's his warning to the Ephesians, that's his warning to us. Now, here's where you have to understand, where do the source of words come from? Now, last week we said that the words come from your temperament. It is how you're wired. It's how God created you. It does not change. Since the beginning of birth, when you came out of your mom's womb, God wired you a certain way. And it's okay to be wired that way. Okay, don't think it's wrong. It's not wrong. It's how God, you were created. Now, your personal, personality changes over the course of time because of life experiences, but your temperament does not. So, let me just give you where your source of needs. I just want to review real quick. First one is this, and you can throw the chart up there. If you are a yellow, you are considered a sanguine. Now, you probably can't see that, but sanguines, if you're wired this way, here's what you speak. You speak the language of people and fun. Right, And some of you think it's all middle children. It's not middle children, right? But it's just the way you're wired. You, what it is, is you um, are alive. You're life of the party. You want to be around people. You can't be alone. Uh, being alone drives you nuts. Matter of fact, I have one friend who is a sanguine. He hates silence. So what does he do? He puts music on all the time. Just does. 
He has people come and sit with him. It's just, I don't get it. I'm not yellow, okay? But that's him. Now, it's how he's wired. Now, here's the next one. The next one you probably can't see is choleric, and it's red. And what that means is, is that you speak the language of power and control, right? So you want to be in control of things. You have a sense of control in your life. Now, these people are dynamic leaders. These people are driven. They know what they want, and they go get it. And there's there's need for these people in this world as well. So they speak power and control. It's not a negative thing. It's just what they want. Third one is this. If you're phlegmatic, you are... You speak the language of peace and harmony. Okay, so you want peace and harmony. I'm not green, so this is very hard for me to understand. Okay, so everything they want is, is um, I want everyone to be okay. When I go to a house and I have my in-laws over for Thanksgiving, I want everything to go smooth. Right, when my kids act up, no, 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 we can't have this. We got to have harmony, right? And what they want is they want a sense, uh, they want, um, they are so smart and they have such great common sense but no one really hears their opinion. But when they say their opinion, it matters. That's those type of people. Last one is melancholy or melancholics. And what they are is they speak the, the language of perfection and order. Okay? I have a little bit in this in me because when I was a kid, I used to write my letters, and if they weren't perfect, I'd have to erase them three, four times. Right? And I'd throw the paper away if it wasn't good enough. If my socks didn't line up, my mom will tell you stories. I would get, get rid of the socks. So perfection and order. So um, they, what they want to, is it's good for them because we need people like this. They're accountants, right? They're, they're people who, who know what they want and, how, and when they want it. Now, all of that to say is we're all wired that way. None of them are wrong. But here's the interesting thing. When you take the test, how you respond and how you are and how you respond is quite interesting because here's what I'll tell you. Each one has strengths and weaknesses. And what the yellows and the reds do is they gloss over their weaknesses and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but I'm really good in this area, right? So they gloss over their weaknesses, but they are all in for their strengths. You know what blues and greens you do? You don't look at the strengths. You look at the weaknesses and go, oh my gosh, I'm so bad. Why am I wired this way? Oh my, I got to change. And you look at the negative. Not right, wrong, just the way it is. So with that backdrop, let's take a look at a different angle and a different lens of Ephesians 4.29. Now let's look at this and here's what it says. So that was uh, unwholesome talk, but here's what we want to read. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now, I, well, there it is. So I highlighted let and come out. Because anytime we converse with someone, isn't that the truth? We let things come out. And when it comes to this, this point, we let things come out. The reason why we let things come out is it's a decision we make. Everything that comes out of your mouth is a decision you made. So you make the decision to be heard, to say something, to give your opinion. Some of us give our opinion and we act like we know everything. And some of us give her opinion and it's well received. Right? And we even think and we make a decision whether we need to close our mouths or we need to say something. So it doesn't matter if you've thought it through or not. Anything that flows out of your mouth is a decision you and I make. All right? So now let's look at the next part. Here's what it says. It says... That, but what only is helpful for building others up 
according to their needs. Okay? But only what is helpful for building up those according to their needs. So what he is saying is, is that you've thought this through, so don't let any harmful words come out of your mouth. Think about it. Stop for a second. Pause about it. And he wants, Paul says, what I want coming out of your mouth is something that is going to build someone up according to their needs, which is pretty interesting here, but it's not what we want. It's what they need. Now, here's what I want you to understand when he says this. It is so critical to understand this about how you're wired and how God has made you. There are words that actually build you up and encourage you. You actually have needs. And people begin to speak into that need. You light up. You're a different person. Each color has its own different needs. And here's what you have to understand. It is so essential in life for you not only to know your needs, but to know the other person's needs. And the reason why it's so important is this, is because you will avoid arguments and you avoid communication if you know what the other person needs and you know what you need. It is very, very helpful. So let me begin to tell you what you need. So you don't know what color you are? Well, let me tell you. Here's here's the color. So yellow, here's what you need. Okay? Yellows, um, they need this. They need approval, acceptance, attention, and affection. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just the way they're wired. Okay? Now, some of you are thinking, I don't need that. You're not a yellow. And all the yellows in the room are like, preach it, Joe. Preach it. Yes, it's what we need, right? <laughs> and then let's go to the reds. The reds are, everybody better get this, right? Because we don't have needs, but just pay attention. It says this. They need loyalty. They need sense of control. What else do they need? They need appreciation, believe it or not. They're not good at appreciation, but they need it. It's pretty interesting. And they need credit for their work. It is, I'm telling you, it's, it's pretty interesting. Now all the clerics are like, you better listen, because you better, when I do something right, okay? Here's the next one. The blue one is this. Here's what you need. You need, uh, oh, excuse me, green, phlegmatic. You need harmony, feeling of worth, lack of, res- lack of stress, and you need to be respected. And all the greens are like, yeah. And all the greens in the room are like, reds, you better pay attention. <laughs> okay? Now, here's the blues. The blues are like this. The blues need um, safety, sensitivity, support. Is it not up there? Okay, support, and they need space and silence. That's what they need. And all the blues in the room are like, yes, you better understand me, and when I ask for help, you better come running because I need support. And that's just the way they're wired. Okay, and that, it's not a wrong thing. It's not a right thing, but those are the needs. Now, Here's the question when you look at Ephesians. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself. And knowing all this is this, is how do I know what words are unwholesome to another? How are they? You know what it is? It's simple. They tell you. They tell you. And what I mean by that is they begin to show you by their actions or they actually speak to you in a manner that is bothering them. So they will respond in a way, and you will know. Now listen, I understand this. Their temperament will tell you. Now let me just tell you from examples from my experience and from my temperament. Okay, I'm going to be honest here. Be a little transparent here. Now, for me, I'm a red. Now some of you are like, okay, I see that. Some of you, you just got enlightened. Okay, 
And some of you are like, it makes sense. It makes sense how he responds and how he does things. Now, let me tell you about Reds. As a Red, I don't get this all right. And there's many times I mess up because Reds are very task-driven and not people-driven. We can be people-driven, but a lot of time it's about the task. So here's what I do, and I've been known to hurt yellows. I've had yellows been interns for me. I've had yellows work for me. Because um, just here's what I tend to do. When yellows talk to me, they want full engagement. Do you know what reds do? They give body language to let you know that they're done, but yellows don't always pick it up. A yellow needs you to look eye-to-eye contact with them, approve what they're saying, give attention and nod to their saying, but here's what a red is doing. I've got to do this, this, and this, and this, and okay, you've wasted enough time of mine. It's just how, just how we're wired. But here's what reds have to do. If we don't, and if I don't, pay attention and prove and acknowledge what they're saying to me, yellows get hurt. And yellows get damaged. And some yellows, get, they're emotional, so they end up crying. It's just how they're wired. And I made plenty of mistakes on this because I didn't know what to speak. Now let me tell you about blues. I get blues very well. As a matter of fact, I know when I mess up with a blue. Because believe it or not, I'm married to a blue. Right? And so, as a blue, let me tell you where I've messed up. She begins to tell me how her day is, or she tells me a significant event that happened in her life. Doesn't happen often, but when she does, it's very important. And I'll be on the phone, and I'll be listening. And as a red, I begin to speak to my needs. So here's, here's what she does. She begins to lay out the thing, and what do I do? I interject. And here's a common thing in our relationship. Would you just stop and listen to me? Because here's what I'm trying to do. She's chuckling because it's true. Here's what I try to do. I have a sense of control and a sense of need. So what do I want to do? I want to fix the problem. So I give my opinion. Well, this is what you need to do. Or why don't you just let me handle it? I'll show them who's boss. Right? That's just the way I am. And, and so, but, but, but she, what she needs is this. She needs compassion. She needs understanding. She needs that sensitivity. That's what she needs. And that's what I have to give to her. So when she talks to me, I have to understand, be compassionate, and let her talk and not try to fix it. Now, the other thing I do, and and what reds tend to do with greens is this, is with greens, we're very dismissive. Okay? And what I mean by that is, is greens need a a feeling of self-worth. And there are times when I've done this to greens where I'll ask for their opinion and then kind of go, yeah, 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 but we're still going to do this. That drives them nuts. It bothers them because they just went out on a limb to tell you their opinion, which is very hard for them to do. You ask for it. What do they need? A sense of worth. So you need to acknowledge and give them worth of what they have just done. And don't just think, oh, well, I know what I'm doing and, I'm, and this is the best and this is the way we're going to go and this is the plan. No, you actually hear it and even try it. And reds can be dismissive of greens. And I've done that on many, many occasions. So where does this land? Well, lands for you and I is this, that we need to have a first, a mentality first, and it's this, others' needs first before our needs. So to get this right, it's your needs second, other needs first. And the greatest person who ever did this was Jesus. Let me just tell you an example in Scripture. Mark chapter 10, 45, and it says, you can turn there, and it says this, it says that, the, the Son of God did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Now, when you look at Jesus' life, Jesus was a others first guy. Jesus came for you and me. It was never about himself. If it was about himself, he'd still be up in heaven. So he comes down and he says, okay, these people are messed up and they need someone to, to draw the relationship back together. So he draws it back together by his death. But listen, at any time with our mistakes and our sin and our mess ups, he could have said, these people are not worth it. He, when he cried out in the garden of Gethsemane, he could have said, you know what, God, I'm done with this. I'm, I know I'm going back. I'm going back to heaven. They don't deserve it. He could have just called angels down, wiped us all out. But he said, no, I'm going to come, not to serve, or not to be served, but to serve, and to give my life for these people who so desperately need it. He wanted to make the relationship right. He didn't lead us and let us go down to destruction. He came and he rescued us. And that's what he did. Why? Because it was us first and his second. And then what Paul says is, you know about Jesus, he said this in Philippians chapter 4, It's in Philippians chapter 4, 3 and 4. And Paul says, I want you, since you know the way Jesus lives, here's how I want you to live. And you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And because Paul would begin to talk about, actually it's 2, excuse me, 2 chapter, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. So it's Philippians 2, 3, verses 3 and 4. And this is what it says. It says this. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others so he gives you the example of jesus that gives his life as a ransom for many and then he says if you're part of the church or, or this is what you are if you're following jesus example here's what i need you to do and for some of us that's difficult isn't it it's hard for us to do every everything do nothing out of selfish ambition and the, why it is so difficult for you and I is because it, we are naturally wired to do what we want to do. And we live in a me-centered world. You know who comes first? You. And everybody else second. See, if we were to read this in our culture, it would say this. It would say, do everything out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. Right? It would say, don't worry about being humble because it's about you. Don't worry about other people. It's about your needs, your wants, your desires. You are the one who needs to be happy. So look out for you. And that is the complete opposite of what Paul is saying here. He's saying it's about other people. And when we begin to speak into others' needs, when we begin to to play out this verse, and not look to the own interests of our, ourselves, but we begin to lay out the interests of other people. People begin to take notice. And we show people that we follow our example, Jesus. Because if you live like that, then we show others that's the way we live. And when you begin to live like this, not only does it benefit yourself, it benefits other people. So what, what do you do? Well, here's the question. You need to speak into others' temperament of blank. You speak according to the temperament to, to the temperament of blank. Now, you can fit this in anywhere. This is what you do in order to live this out, okay? So you can put in child, you can put in parent, you can put in boss, you can put in wife, husband, anything you want right in there, friend, coworker. And so you need to speak according to their temperament. First of all, you got to 
realize how they're wired and what they need. So let me just give you a few examples. If you are, okay, you're a blue and you're married to a yellow, do not do this. This does not speak to the temperament of your yellow. When you're out on a date, do not tell your yellow wife, oh my, this would be so much better if I had time to plan. You suck the life out of her and the joy out of the spontaneity that yellows need. So go on a spontaneous date and don't worry about planning because you'll ruin a yellow. You'll suck the joy out of the date. Now, yellows, if you're a leader, if you're a boss is a yellow and you have blue employees or blue employers or you have teammates, you work coworkers, don't do this if you're yellow. When they ask you about a decision you made, don't say, well, man, I just, it was a gut, gut, gut decision. I just went with my gut. And not only is that demotivating to a blue, it bothers them. Cause I'll tell you why. You just dismissed all their research of their strategic decision making. Blues research until they make a decision. That's just what they do. So when a yellow, you say, oh, I just, I'm just going with my gut. That really bothers uh, blues. Now, if you're a red parent and you have a green child, don't scream at your child in the morning to get moving. Okay? They don't have a sense of urgency. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. If you're telling your green child to hurry up, you're going to cause more problems for yourself. Here's why. They actually want lack of stress, right? You're creating more stress. And I'll tell you what a green's going to do. He's going to be stubborn and dig his heels in. Okay, mom, I'll show you. All right? So that's what happens. Now, let me tell you the other thing. Now, greens, if you have a red boss, good luck. (laughs) Just kidding. Reds have needs too. And here's where reds, here's, uh, speaking from a red, let me tell you what our needs are. If you say you're going to do something at a specific time, you better do it. Because there's nothing more aggravating to a red than when you say you will be here or you will get a project done and you don't do it on time. And here's why it's so aggravating to reds. Because we have a plan and you're not going according to plan. And you don't understand the urgency when I give you a date that you need to have it done. Matter of fact, I used to work with a green. And here's what I did, his decision-making. I would just give him a time frame to make the decision. It made our lives so much greater. If it was an urgent one, I'd give him a few hours. If it was one I needed down the road, I'd give him weeks. But we understood each other. And, and I'm telling you, our relationship just melded. It was great. But here's what you got to understand too, Greens. If you don't do what a red asks you to do on time, here's what a red will do. They will live their motto. If you want to get anything done, Just do it yourself. And a red will take back control. Listen, a red will take back control, greens, and they'll do it themselves. And greens, you're going to be hurt. But you did it to yourself. See, but see, but here's what, this is why it's so important to understand because then there won't be conflict, right? There won't be conflict. So here's kind of where you got to go with this. Now let's go back. There's a fourth part to this verse and here's where it all lands for us. Going back to Ephesians 4.29, it says this, that you uh, speak helpful words, and it says this at the very end. It says, so that it will benefit, listen, benefit those who listen. 
Do you know what the word benefit means there in Greek? To give grace. It actually, the word is grace. So you administer grace, you give grace. Your words should be gracious. And what that means is they should be kind, compassionate, and pleasant. So not only are your words true and they speak pure, but they should give grace to those who hear. And what he is saying is so difficult for us to do because what? Culture says it's about us. A lot of us, our bent is not to be kind, not to be compassionate, not to be pleasant. But what he's saying is, is we need to speak this. We need to speak this language of grace to other people. And why do we have to speak the language of grace to other people? Because that's what God speaks to you. Speaks it to you. God speaks in his love and grace and mercy. And believe it or not, he does things for you. And so what we've got to understand, when you understand this, that if I'm supposed to be kind and compassionate and give grace to other people, this is a game changer. It's the purpose of what Paul is talking about. And the purpose is this, is when we get it right and we begin to speak grace, we begin to what? Speak words that are not harmful, but are helpful. We build and we don't tear down. And we benefit those who listen. Now, here's where it all comes down to. I'm almost done. Just three more things. The thing is this. The question is this. Is how do you begin to speak into the temperament of somebody? Okay? Or how do you speak into the temperament of blank according to their needs? Now, let me tell you what the blank is. The blank is three things. So how are you using your words to, there it is, to build up your blank according to their needs? Now, there's three areas in this. The first one is this. How are you using words to build up your inner circle according to their words? Let me ask you that. Now, you know what your inner circle is? It's your family. It's your kids. It's your wife. It's your husband. It's your siblings. Even if you're an adult, it is your adult siblings. So here's where it comes down, and this is where it's so difficult for us. The inner circle is the most intimate But the inner circle is the one that gets the worst. It gets the worst. See, what happens is, is those people close to us, we feel like we can be real and raw and hurt. And we can do whatever we want because they're going to forgive us. They love us no matter what. And see, we come home and, and we give, you know, we, we blame them for things that have happened. We, we, we get in arguments and maybe we begin to lay our, our, our burden or whatever happened at work and we just kind of throw up at home. And that's not what it is about because that's speaking to your needs. So when it comes to your inner circle, look, your home should be this. It should be where love and grace abound. Love and grace should abound in every home. And that happens when we get this right, when we begin to speak gracefully and gracious to the people around us instead of harmful and hurtful to the people around us. And we just need to begin to change that. And you can change that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the next one. The next one is your influential circle. Excuse me, your intentional circle. It's your friends and your coworkers. You need to speak 
according to their needs. Now, you need to be intentional. See, when you're in, you're intentional with your friends, you're intentional about how the relationship's going to go. You're intentional with your coworkers, aren't you? See, nobody sets out on life and says, man, I hope I have pretty crummy, unhealthy relationships, right? <laughs> nobody does that. Because everybody, deep down, wants to be loved and wants to be accepted. So nobody says, you know, I just hope this ends up terrible. They don't do that. But it ends up terrible when we begin to not speak their needs and we begin to cultivate this, uh, just us, our needs, right? And so we begin to do this and our relationship can be soured. So when I'm asking you, when it comes to your friends and your coworkers, what words are going to govern those relationships? You need to think about that. And here's the final one. The final one is this, is your influential circle. Now, this is your social acquaintances. People you just kind of know as an acquaintance. Let me tell you why this is so important. Let me tell you why you have the greatest opportunity with acquaintances. Your greatest opportunity with someone who is an acquaintance, you have the greatest opportunity to show them Jesus. By how you live, and what you say. You have the greatest opportunity to live the way God wants you to live. And you have the greatest opportunity to what? To live as light and as salt. And people begin to notice if you live that way. You have a big impact on what you say and what you do. Just to those acquaintances. People will notice something different about you. But here's, here's, here's the issue though. The issue is, 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 why don't we? Why don't we live the way we want to live? See, because we need to speak the language of love and the language of grace. And look, the language of love and grace, according to God, is completely different than the language of culture. Right? Helpful, kind, pleasant. Not about you, about others. About others, do what pleases you, negative, all this stuff. So they're competing. Here's where lies the problem. You go through your workplaces, you go on the internet and social media, and you begin to see that these two things are not different. That's a problem. It's a problem. And here's why it's a problem. If you don't, if you're not different and we don't speak different than culture speaks, the reason why it's not different is why would anyone want to follow the Jesus you serve if you're not different than them? The, the answer, they're not going to. Why would I follow you? There's nothing different about you. There's nothing that I aspire to be like. So why would I do that? They won't. They just won't. So when we speak, we've got to speak out of the language of love and grace and not culture, and make the biggest impact on people. And then finally, this, the, the language of the language of love and grace is so transformative. And it has the power to transform each and every one of our lives because that's who God is and that's what he speaks. And believe it or not, God speaks the language of love and he speaks the language of grace to your needs every day. Now, let's go back to your needs, right? If you're yellow, just a couple off the top of my head, you need acceptance, 
right? You need approval. God speaks into that. You're agreeing, self-control, loyalty. God speaks into that. You're phlegmatic. You need peace. You need to feel a sense of worth. He speaks into that. You're a blue. You need to be secure, sensitive. God speaks into that. Let me read a couple, let me read a couple verses. Let me find them here of the words that God actually speaks. Okay. Here's what he speaks. Out of Ephesians, he speaks this. You are chosen, holy, and blameless. You're forgiven and not forsaken. Doesn't leave you. You want approval? He's right there. You are no longer a slave to sin. You're redeemed. You're not condemned. You're a new creation. You're a welcomed citizen of heaven. He accepts you. Look, you're acceptable, desired. You are an heir and pledged with an inheritance. You, you want security? There it is. Here's another one. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. See, God speaks into your needs. So what if this? What if we walked out of this room today and we begin to take these words and take what the scripture says and we begin to let it saturate our spirit and saturate ourselves? And what if we, instead of looking for, uh, you know, uh, everyone else to fulfill our needs, we look to God to fulfill our needs? And then when we're filled up, we begin to get filled up. And then we begin to pour out onto other people what God has done in our lives. Do you know what it would look like? It would look like what Acts says. You would be his witnesses. You would be his witnesses. You would be his ambassadors. You would be what, what God wants you to be. You would be an example to the rest of the world. Because your foundation and your need is in Jesus and not in anything else. See, we have the ability to transform our relationships by the words we say and by the words that God speaks to us. If we just live that, we'll begin to transform not only ourselves, but others around us. Remember, transformed speech can lead to what? Transformed relationships. Thanks for listening. And if you would like more information on our church or you'd like to visit us in person, you can go to basinchurch.org. And as always, we hope this content helps you on your faith journey.